Welcome to Season 2 of the Mindful Literacy Podcast with your host, Dr. Jessica Bennett. Our mission is to provide one-on-one and small group literacy tutoring to children with dyslexia or who are at risk for reading failure. One of the driving forces behind creating Mindful Literacy Columbus was a social justice focus. We want to make needed education services accessible to all. The board is in the process of researching social determinants of health, such as family income, access to community-based resources, social support, language and literacy, and access to information. It is our vision to create a center where children can have access to high-quality tutoring, irrespective of family income. In our mind's eye, this center would also be a place where adults can study our written language together and where parents find support. Listener support is paramount to how much we are able to support kids in our community. Thank you so much for your support. Here are three ways you can get involved in Mindful Literacy Columbus. You can share this podcast, and you can like and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. Pause this podcast right now and go like and follow before you forget. Our Facebook is mindful.literacy.columbus. Our Instagram is mindful.literacy.cbus. Make sure to share posts to your feed and tag your friends. You can also volunteer. There are four opportunities to volunteer with Mindful Literacy Columbus. Even if you don't live in Columbus, first, you could join the Grant Writers Guild. Writers are needed. Second, you can join our summer camp in August. Counselors are needed. Third, we need volunteers for our first annual conference for kids and grown-ups. Even coordinators are needed. This event will be held in August. Finally, you can volunteer to be a mentor and editor for Beehive Press. We especially need high school and college-age volunteers who enjoy studying English or graphic design. If you would like more information about volunteering, please send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can also email our Director of Impact at Megan, that is M-E-G-H-A-N, at mindfulliteracypractice.org. Thanks again for your support. And we hope you enjoy this episode of the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Maria Demosthenes, or Dr. D, as she is known, is a board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Essentially, she is a doctor for thoughts and feelings. She uses play, talking, and mindfulness to help children work through challenges. In this episode, we talk about parent feelings, child feelings, and how parent and child feels together. Our conversation will give parents concrete steps in how to mindfully play with their children as a way to connect with them. Dr. D, welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. I'm so happy to have you on. I feel like 
I've known about you for a long time and I've had the honor to speak with you several times as professionals. And since COVID happened, you know, I really appreciated you reaching out and, you know, wanting to have a collegiate conversation with, with people who are helping kids in the field right now. Well, the feeling is so mutual, right? I, I feel like I respect your work and it's really a pleasure to get to know you and to collaborate and partner and work together to help kids. And I feel like this conversation is so well-timed because we're going on month 10 of this pandemic and everybody's tired and lots of really devastating things are happening to people. And at the same time, it's the holidays and kids are home. And I think that all of us are in the same position with our kids, worried about the impact of all of this and tired and really trying to find ways to make it through. I feel like today, since we're talking about mindful parenting and play and kind of the intersection of the two, I feel like it's such a it's just such a needed thing for me, at least, to think about this today and to try and use it in my life, in my home, you know, tonight. And I'm hoping that um, a lot of people listening will find some value in, in thinking about play and, and be able to utilize it right now to really have it be a way that they take care of their kids and, and take care of themselves as parents. Yeah. The whole notion of it is, has been, I think you and I talked maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago and you mentioned play and play therapy. And I, and you said, it's, you said something so simple. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I thought about it for a while. And I, then I evaluated, you know, how I was playing with my kids and I thought, oh my gosh, even just being aware of the fact that I need to purposefully and intentionally set time to play with them, not telling them to go play, but to sit down and have a moment with them. Even just having you say that one thing has changed my behavior with my kids in the past week. So I'm really interested to hear how this conversation plays out. Yeah, I think that that's so true. That attention, that purposeful attention is the mindfulness piece, you know? The, the lovely thing about play is that it's not anything new. It is actually evidence-based and it doesn't cost anything. So, you know, we are recognizing that things are really tough and really hard on people right now, but this is actually something that everybody can do. And we'll be really pragmatic about it. We will really talk about how to play. I think it might be helpful if I start and kind of give you a little bit of context about how I got to where I am with mindfulness and play. So, you know, I'm a child and adolescent and adult psychiatrist. That means that, you know, I went to medical school and had a long residency. And I was very, very lucky to have um, amazing mentorship all through my training from very skilled psychoanalytic psychiatrists. And at its core, we use play in therapy 
as a way to communicate. And within that play, we not only listen to what the child is telling us and hear and experience their inner world, but we have a way to interact with it and with their inner world and a way to help steer the child into figuring out on their own through the play how to resolve issues. So play can be um, incredibly powerful. And I, I've always, you know, for decades in my career, I've known how to play with children and I've done play. But then later in my career, I also um, was trained to do mindfulness-based stress reduction, formally trained in how to do it. And I was part of a group that was trying to manualize um, because mindfulness-based stress reduction is a manualized kind of treatment. So I was part of a group that was trying to manualize it for adolescents so that they could bring meditation to local middle and high schools. And what we realized was that for a lot of kids, meditation is hard. For some kids, it's not. But for a lot of kids, meditation is hard. And there were awesome folks in this group who really worked on how to approach kids and how to teach kids how to meditate. And because I didn't have those skills, I relied on other skills that I did have around play. And I learned how to extend that level of paying attention in play. And I learned how to teach parents in my office to join us in the play so that they could continue, you know, through the week at home. So that's kind of the backstory about how this evolved. It's a combination of just really understanding how to play with children and how to listen with children and then adding that that extra layer of intentionality and attention for mindfulness. I don't know if this piece of it is really mindfulness, but in my mind, I think of it that piece of a parent taking care of themselves so that can be accessible to their child. So that, that's how I got to where I am. Wow. Um, that's so great. Uh, yeah, I think for sure parents taking care of themselves is a piece of mindfulness when we talk about self-care and having the capacity to continue to give all day, every day. Right. And that's really hard right now because people are depleted. And it's really hard to say to yourself, you know, my kid wants to play Barbies tonight and I'm really tired and I'm worried. And I don't really feel like playing Barbies right now. I think for some of us, it's hard to play pretend, (laughs) you know? So like, I was thinking about this. I love, I like playing cards and I like playing a board game and I like playing games that eventually end up teaching us something. But gosh, it's so hard for me to sit and play pretend. I'm like, if somebody's like, pretend you're the dog, I'm like, oh, it hurts my brain. That makes a lot of sense to me because when we play pretend, it's 
a little more abstract. It can go into places that are a little more worrisome. And when we play pretend, we're also hearing what our children's fears are. And I think for a lot of parents right now, it feels like it's hard for me to manage my own fears, let alone to take on, you know, what this little person might be feeling right now. Wow. So yeah, I never really framed it in the in the sense that if I am allowing myself to play pretend, I am putting myself in a place of vulnerability and it's okay. I'll be safe. My kids will be safe. But maybe that is me managing and dealing with that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, parents have to take care of themselves first, right? And be ready. There are a couple of pieces that I think it's important for a parent to actively think about before they head into play. And the first piece is love. You know, like as parents, we are here to love our babies, love our children. And that feeling is really where we get the energy and the strength from when we're doing something that's hard to do or we don't have the energy to do. Uh, Another piece is willingness. You know, we have to be willing, like you said, like willing to be vulnerable, willing to follow our child where they want to go and uh, not have in mind what we want to do, but really let it be emergent from the child. We have to create the intention. You know, we have to say to ourselves, like, I really want to play with my child today. And I think probably the most important thing I would say about this is that it does not need to be for a long time. Play could be meaningful if it happened for five minutes. That could be a really meaningful interaction. It does not mean that you have to set aside an hour to play or two hours or the whole day. That's, that's just a really important thing to hear because it does not take long to have a meaningful connection with a child. And then the other piece, I think, is uh, really inviting the child to play. Like not only having intention and willingness that you want to play, but actually saying to your child, I would like to play with you today. I have 10 minutes while dinner is cooking and I would like to spend from right now till when the cooking, you know, when the timer on the stove goes off, I would like to spend that time with you. And then after in the evening when the kids have gone to bed to reflect on the play, even again, if it's for one minute, just thinking about what your child said or what the Barbies did or what the picture looked like, that reflecting time is really important as parents because it adds to our growth. It adds to our growth as parents. So those are the components that a, a parent has to have. And on the child side, it's super easy. They just have to play. That's all. <laughs> okay. So I just want to review, I'm going to review the, I think there, you said five things that the parent needs to think about. One, love. Two, willingness. Yep. Three, intention. Mm-hmm. Four, invite the child to play. And five, reflect on the play. You got it. This episode is brought to you by Mindful Literacy Practice. Mindful Literacy Practice is the sister company to Mindful Literacy Columbus. 
We are a private tutoring and professional development company whose mission is to build a strong learning community that cultivates literacy and mindfulness practices with children, their families, and their teachers. Frequent and consistent tutoring is the key to fluency growth, no matter where your child is on the learning continuum, from special education to gifted education and everywhere in between. All elementary kids need to practice oral reading fluency and math facts. Mindful Literacy Practice offers affordable, high-quality, evidence-based methodology combined with precision teaching data tracking in both reading and math. For just 10 minutes a session, three to five days a week, it is not uncommon for us to see fluency rates double in the course of 10 to 12 weeks. Want to improve the speed in which your child can read and or do math facts? Mindful Literacy Fluency Programs. Improve what you measure. Practice, measure, improve, repeat. Listeners of this podcast can use code FLUENCY50 for their first registration. MindfulLiteracyPractice.org forward slash fluency forward slash. Okay. I think this is so helpful because I don't think, well, first of all, as you know, there's no manual for parenting, but certainly (laughs) I feel like this is doable. And knowing that just like setting aside time to work out or take a walk or do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, if you know every day I'm going to build this in, then I feel like it will happen. (laughs) That's right. It's really accessible. We're really taking a practical approach that has been successful for many, many parents for years and years and years, five minutes a day. I was going to say, for me, it really always helps me when I understand something thoroughly. It helps me have the energy to approach it and maintain a system that works. So to me, it helps to really understand play. And I wrote a list of adjectives, um, really, to think about with play. Can I go ahead and read them? I would love to hear. I am, I'm sitting here taking vigorous notes the whole time. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I wrote down eight words that describe play. And maybe, Jessica, we can make it a list together. You know, these are eight words that I have to describe play, but I bet you have a few others to add yourself. But I'll go ahead and read them. So the first one is that play is communication. Play really does let you see into and talk about things that children are unable to talk about in any other way. So I always think of play as communication. The next thing is that play is active. And by that, I don't always necessarily mean like physical, although a lot of play is physical, but it is active for the child. It is an active process. It is not a passive process. Sometimes when you're feeling an emotion, it's a passive process, but this is an active process and naturally feels good. The third one I have is that play is meaningful. You know, it might seem like on the surface that you're doing something so insignificant, like you're drawing a house, but the emotion behind why you're drawing a house and the story about the house and the people inside it, that is really rich with meaning. 
play is cognitive. This is probably one that you could talk about, but play uses your whole brain. And it definitely is a wonderful modality to use for learning, right? Educational games, even just regular play, you know. The next one I have is that it's social. A lot of times children are taking in and working out all kinds of complicated social dynamics in play. Play is always emotional. There's always feeling there. Play is work. Play is a child's work, just like what Maria Montessori uh, labeled it as. Play is a child's work. It is their job to play right now. And play is fun. Those are the eight things I have. In my mind, I refer to play as ordinary magic because it's something that we, we all have and can do with our children. It is ordinary magic. I'm, I have so many questions for you. Two of the adjectives I was thinking of as I was actively listening and thinking about how I like to engage in play is I like to be outside to play. So like hiking, climbing mountains, climbing trees, building stuff with sticks, playing in the dirt. I can get down with that. So I thought, well, in that sense, and also in the sense that it's kind of, it's natural. <laughs> play is natural. Yeah. Kinesthetic. Yes. Play is a undeniably crucial part of how we learn our bodies. When, when we're running across stones in a creek, we are learning what our body can do. We are testing out how much risk-taking we can do. We are building our concept of ourselves. So many things are happening in that kind of play. But yeah, absolutely. Play is in nature and we're designed as human beings to play and uh, to interact with nature. And play is kinesthetic for sure. I'm curious about yoga play and kids. Oh, yeah. I've had some fun teaching kids yoga, using yoga to play with kids in who are my students and also my own children. And it's funny to watch. Funny is maybe not the right word, but it's pure, purely, it's just, it gives me a lot of joy to see when they've learned a tool uh, that they learned in yoga and they use it on their own in a different context. I just think, I just think that's ordinary magic. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? G give an example. So the most recent one and most of my examples recent uh, of late are of, of, with my own children because of the, you know, quarantining and such. But for the past year and a half, uh, I've been singing a mantra to my kids before they go to sleep. It helps. It soothes them. It's called Ad Gure. And it, the intention of it is open uh to protect your heart and to open your heart at the same time. I think it's in Garmuki. I'd have to double check that, but I sing it to them. I have, I have tracks that I play for them. And so they've gotten to the point where if I don't sing it, they request it. And this memory is just so vivid to me, rocking my youngest, singing this to her. And now 
She's a big girl. She's three. <laughs> and she was the other day in the dining room. And the past couple of weeks, she started singing along with me at bedtime. And I thought, oh my gosh, how precious, how sweet to hear her voice singing these words. Yeah. But uh, a couple of days ago, she was painting and I stepped into the kitchen to cook. And then I hear her singing on her own and she's like creating and painting while she's singing this. And I thought, well, that's her meditation for the day. How <laughs> gorgeous. That's so beautiful. So I was creeping on and I was like peeking around the corner. <laughs> trying to soak it up because I don't often allow myself to do that. But that kind of, you know, cued me like, oh, wow, look, there's some magic happening in there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can almost like feel the love radiating while you you retell the story. I mean, that's what our kids need right now, right? They need some tenderness and they need some warmth and some comfort and we need that back from them. Their kids are good at giving us that, right? Yeah, for sure. This episode is sponsored by Cats, Prior, and Decuccio. Cats, Prior, and Decuccio are experienced Columbus attorneys focusing in real estate, business, and probate law. Find them and schedule a free consultation at kpdfirm.com. So I have a question about play, inviting kids to play. Now, I think having special time, if you have if you have more than one child, it can be it can be tricky to build in special time, one-on-one time for your children. And I'm wondering if your tips on play would work with siblings or should we reserve it for one-on-one time? Well, I'm far too practical to reserve it for one-on-one time, right? And I think that what gets hard is that often the messaging to parents is that they're not doing enough and that they need to do more. And that is not the message here. The message here is that there's something that's already there that all kids know how to do that we can access to have connection right now. I absolutely think that you can play all together. You just have to experiment a little bit. You you have to try and you have to have that willingness to try and see what works well. You know, like maybe you play a board game for five minutes and you have a kiddo who is a little bit of a sore loser, not quite used to or gets worried about being in a losing position, right? Um, Even that is a win because you did spend, you know, five minutes playing that game. And maybe the next time you play a different board game and maybe the next time you play a different board game and you, you you know, go around and find the right way to include everyone in a game. Yeah, but I absolutely think that play can happen with everyone at the same time. It just takes a little experimenting to find what it is and to really have it be respectful play. You have to kind of invite that the play has some criteria that you know that kids get to pick how the game evolves or the kids get to write the rules and you work on, you know, your game every day for a few weeks and then it can be a workable game, you know. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, when you're mixing in different personalities and preferences, it can get, I sometimes find myself refereeing, Mm -hmm. refereeing sisterhood. But the lessons there, I think, are great, you know, be kind, be gentle with each other, (laughs) you know. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, um, it's also teaching the lesson of meeting someone where they're at. So if you have a group that has lots of differences, different interests, different ages, different wants, you know, uh, sometimes meeting them where they're at is, hey, guys, let's write down a story together. And everyone can say a paragraph, you know, and you end up with a really great, funny story. But that kind of play has a little more structure to it than, hey, guys, let's play let's play horses, <laughs> you know, that play doesn't have as much structure to it. So sometimes you have to think and reflect and experiment and, and see what works, but it's not about adding more pressure. It's about adding more awareness or doing it with awareness and really just a short amount of intentional play it can be ordinary magic be just what everybody needs right now. Yes, absolutely. And it feels like too, I mean, when I think about sometimes at our house, we have toy wars and when kids are fighting over specific things they want to play with, then, you know, our philosophy is, well, then that thing gets removed because getting along with each other is number one. And, you know, we try to keep the house, teach the kids to clean up after themselves and keep their, their things put away. And, to me, I think too, just, it's so simple to think just inviting play. Uh, you don't need necessarily need toys or need stuff, you know? I often like to invite play with recyclables. Make sure to save the day for two fun events in 2021 in partnership with the Final Third Foundation Mindful Literacy Columbus presents 2021 Summer Writing Camp. Kids entering third to seventh grade will have the opportunity to be a part of this investive writing camp. Save the date for this week of August 8th. Email Megan at mindfulliteracypractice.org for more information. Make sure to mention that you heard about this camp from the podcast and enter a drawing to win 50% of the camp tuition. First Annual Mindful Literacy Columbus Conference for Kids and Their Grownups. After this conclusion of the writing camp, we will hold a community celebration. This will include kids showcasing their work, art, music, yoga, food, and high quality professional presentations for both teachers and parents. Teachers will have the opportunity to learn CEUs. The conference, which will be held on Saturday, August 15th, 2021, will serve as a fundraiser for a non-profit organization. We will also currently accepting presentation proposals from teachers and professionals in the community. Please email Stacy S-T-A-C-E-Y, at Stacey at mindfulliteracypractice.org. To receive more information about the conference and or the submit of a presentation proposal. We are talking about play. 
What is play? What is play? What do you like to play? Oh. If you have free time, what do you like to play? How about if I say, if you and your mama could play together right now, what would you like to play? Maybe, um, maybe, um, reading. Oh, I love reading. I love to read. I love stories. And sometimes after I finish a book, I like to write more, like a sequel, another adventure for whatever was happening in the book. Yeah, I wrote, I've been um, working on writing. I wrote a book when I was in second grade, Playtime with Evie, because Evie's my sister. (laughs) Kind of weird. No, it's not. You documented all of the things that you like to do together. Uh Uh-huh. And what Evie liked to do at that time in her life. Well, it was different before Celeste was alive. Now we don't really play um, with each other anymore because uh, she's always playing with Celeste, and if I even come in the room, she'll yell at me. So we don't really play anymore. We used to play games where I would, like, pick her up on a cushion, and we would get naked and walk all over the house. I'm saying Evie is the queen. Oh, (laughs) I like that. Evie was the queen. And what were you if she was the queen? I was her butler. That sounds like such an interesting game. I wonder what Celeste would be. If Evie's the queen and you're the butler, what would Celeste be? Yeah, Celeste the maid would kind of be funny because she thinks she's Elsa. And she'd probably, what she calls pew people, which is actually freezing them to death. And then she doesn't doesn't un-pew them. Evangeline, what would you want to play? Sometimes when she does it, if she catches me in the right time, I actually freeze. And I've fallen to the ground before, which is really funny to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is funny when she's so small, but she has more power than you, Mom, and you're really tall. Yes. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Yeah, come here and talk. Tell that what you'd like to play. I know what you've been playing recently. Pretend playing Nutcrackers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretend to play Nutcracker. Oh, how many Nutcrackers do you have? We have a lot. The My husband has been collecting them since he was a child, and so it's just our holiday tradition to get them out, and the girls play with them for hours like dolls. Yeah, that makes them so special. So this is, you've inspired me, Dr. D, to the next time they're sitting down with those Nutcrackers. Uh, instead of maybe taking another pass at cleaning the kitchen, I'm going to sit down and play Nutcrackers with them. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I was inspired when the girls were talking, too. It reminded me what I like to call little bits. So sometimes what I do is I take a serving tray and I fill it with natural objects, sticks and stones and gumballs and acorns and pine cones. And I bring it inside, and then I add the little bits to the play. So, like, if you had a whole basket of nutcrackers and a tray of little bits, I wonder how the girls would combine them. Or if you had a big box of sand and a tray of little bits, and I wonder how they would combine them. So, you know, sometimes after I've played for a few days 
and I'm reflecting on it at night, sometimes the invitation that I do for the next day is actually a materials invitation where I just think to myself, what, what's, you know, here's a clean space on a table. How can I put a basket of toys and a tray of, nat- of little bits and see what happens? And maybe that's the play. Well, you go outside and you go collecting, like you take a walk and you each collect a whole pile of natural treasures. And then you put them on a, your mom will put them on a tray and you'll have a whole basket of nutcrackers or some other toy or sand or clay or Play-Doh. And you combine the two things together. Absolutely. I thank you so much. And it's, you know, the thing is, it's so simple. Thank you, Dr. D. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Mindful Literacy Podcast. May you be inspired, energized, and share this love with those in your care. We are also grateful to have you as a part of our community. If you are enjoying the content in this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Please also take a moment to connect with us on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram, mindful.literacy.cbus. We want to hear from you. What topics do you want to uncover next? Who is doing these amazing things on the field of education that we should be talking about in Season 3? Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace. Before we wrap things up, we want to mention one more way from anywhere in the world that you and your students can get involved with Mindful Literacy Columbus. For just $25 a month, you can become a patron member of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Yes, that's right. For less than the cost of a latte a week, you will become a champion for child literacy and you have the opportunity to give directly back to kids in two ways. First, dues enable staff to grant write, fundraise, and build organizational awareness. Second, patron members are invited to contribute monthly to our publishing house, Beehive Press. The books that your students will curate will then be sold to generate even more scholarship money for your students. Beehive Press is an imprint of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Here is what patron members will get for their $25 per month. Submit one book by Kids for Kids for Beehive Press per month. Receive video lesson plans on how to engage kids in the writing process and PDF graphic organizers to help with the pre-writing process. It includes help with book layout, one-to-one final editing session, marketing, sales, and logistics of the book. Receive the proof of the book for free. It includes copyright and ISBN number. Each published book that is sold gives back to MLC. 50% goes to scholarships, 50% goes to authors. To become a patron member, go to mindfulliteracypractice.org slash donate.